0: You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto Podcast, a recording of the Sunday Sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. The scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12-13. to Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to enter it. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it is given for our good. Well, thank you, Avery. Let's pray before we turn our attention to this passage. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a couple years back, HBO put together a TV series that ended up winning an Emmy, and it was called 24-7. I think they're doing it again, but a couple years back, they did it with NHL teams. There was a tremendous amount of cameras around the arena and inside the locker room. There are microphones everywhere, and it allowed them to put together a documentary about all that takes place behind the scenes before any NHL game and during NHL, any NHL game and after the game. And for me, the high point of each show was the speeches the coaches gave, sometimes before the game or in between periods. I can't quote a single one of the speeches because they were so laced with profanity, but the speeches were incredibly motivating for the players. And all these speeches, no matter which coach gave them, no matter what the situation was, seemed to follow some kind of template. There was first a warning especially when the team was losing in between periods, the coach would blow up and say, what's wrong with you guys? Wake up, get focused. Then there was a reminder that the coach would remind the team that they have teammates and they're to play as a team and they're to trust the system that they had been working on all season and help their teammates out. And finally, there was always a challenge, something that the coach saw as an opportunity ahead of them, something to be on the lookout for, to take advantage of in the next period. And at the end of each speech, the teams would be so pumped up, they would be ready for another period, and you could just feel the energy through the show. Look, even if you're not a sports fan, even if you despise sports, my guess is you know something about these kind of motivational speeches, uh, these kind of speeches that put you in a place where you are excited and passionate to conquer whatever obstacles are in front of you, whether that's doing the taxes or folding the laundry. And this passage, as I read it, feels to me like the Apostle Paul is giving a bit of a rousing speech, like a coach, to this church in Corinth that has been struggling, that's been down the past couple of periods, that hasn't played as they ought to. This passage feels to me as though Paul is calling the church to to wake up, especially to the reality of the temptations that are right in front of them. And like a good coach, I think Paul follows a very similar template to what we hear in in these locker room speeches. He gives a warning that he wants everyone to hear. He gives a reminder that he wants everyone to heed. And then he gives a promise that he wants everyone to hold on to. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. A warning to hear, a reminder to heed, and a promise to hold on to. So first, a warning to heed. Where do we see this? Well, it's quite straightforward. Verse 12, you just heard it read, Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. This is certainly a warning, but a warning as to what? Well, Paul is writing to this church as a pastor, and he's actually responding to a letter that they had written to him. He had started a church in the city of Corinth some years past, and this city had some unique challenges in front of the Christian community. There were temples all over the city, and these temples were dedicated to various gods. And because the civic religion had worked itself so much into the life of Corinth, it was very hard to be a citizen, of in, in a, uh, someone living in Corinth, without participating in the rituals that took place in these temples. These temples would be something like banquet halls, but also as the sacrifices were offered to the various gods, These temples also participated in the meat distribution market in the city. And the church has written Paul and they've asked him for help. What do we do? Should we eat at these banquet halls? Should we eat the meat that's been sacrificed to idols? And Paul's answer is relatively simple. Though he says these idols are fake and powerless, uh, he does recommend that the Corinthian Christians stay away and abstain from eating at any of these temples at these banquets which would have been dedicated to the various gods. Paul does say it is permissible though to eat the meat that is sold from the temple to the marketplace, but he says it's only permissible so long as your eating of it doesn't cause someone who's a sister and brother in Christ to stumble, to be tripped up, to think that they are participating in the sacrifice by eating this meat. So he gives that kind of rubric, we're to watch out for the good of others. And after answering their question and giving that, that sort of explanation, in verse 12, he then gives the warning. And the warning comes actually in the beginning of this chapter, in verse 1, where he shows the way in which God's people in times of old, the nation of Israel, had received all kinds of privileges, all kinds of supernatural experiences. They were guided by a cloud through the desert. They crossed the Red Sea supernaturally as the, the, the waters were parted. They ate man, manna and quail and they found water in the desert. All these extraordinary experiences, and yet they were not victorious over temptation. When push came to shove, they failed. They were faithless towards God. They practiced idolatry and sexual immorality. They tested God. They grumbled. And for that, they were punished. And this is the grounds that Paul is using to give this warning. He's given this principle, look, you can eat this meat that may have been sacrificed to an idol when you purchase it at the market, but if it causes someone else to stumble, then stay away. Don't don't deal with it. However, he says, be very, very careful. Take heed lest you fall. He's saying, don't get arrogant as it relates to any particular temptation, anything that could pull away your allegiance towards Jesus Christ. He's essentially saying pride comes always before the fall. And like a good coach, he's warning the believers at Corinth who have been struggling with a whole myriad of other problems that there is not anyone in the congregation immune to falling into any particular sin, even idolatry. He's saying do not be complacent, be on guard. It's almost impossible for me to hear this warning from Paul and not think of names like Ted Haggard and Jimmy Baker, Bill Gothard, Billy Graham's grandson, Tolian Trevigian, Bill Hybels, Carl Lentz, even our own from Toronto, Ravi Zacharias. The list could go on and on and on. These are just high-profile cases of people who thought, maybe, that they were immune to temptation, who thought they wouldn't fall. Hear this warning from Paul. No one is immune to falling into sin. No one is immune to falling into any type of sin. You are just one or two bad decisions from being ensnared and entrapped in all kinds of horrible, horrible, sinful behavior. Take heed, lest you fall. Paul's principle is similar to Alcoholics Anonymous in the sense that he's saying, you never fully recover. You always are an alcoholic. You never are fully immune to sin and and temptation. You always are prone to stumble again. So this passage makes me think we need to ask, what sin do you think you never could fall into? What sin do you think you personally never could be enslaved by? Where are you growing complacent Is it as it relates to how you're using your finances? Do you feel as though, despite your sort of addictive sh- online shopping habits, that you don't think you will fall victim to uh, materialism—the idea that the good life is found in getting more and better stuff? If a believer in another culture looked over your credit card bill, looked over your bank statement, would they see spending habits in your life that they would assume are enslaving you? What about your your lust for gain, your greed? How many of us scour the stock news looking for a very quick win, quick profits, no concern about how they're made? What about lust in general? Are you careful about the images you take in? Or do you assume you're fine with lust? Do you assume you're immune to things like pornography? That would never happen to you. What about your loyalty towards God? Have you identified things in your life, things in your life which may actually be good, but are actually encouraging you to doubt, encouraging you to ignore God, encouraging you that you can survive just fine without dependence on God? A passage like this is telling you, and it's telling me, that we need to take a temptation audit. We need to audit our, how we're using our time how we're using our social media, how we're using substances, how we're using entertainment. Are these things pushing us to love God more and love neighbor? Are they challenging us to be more faithful in the responsibilities God has given to us? The passage is a clear warning. No one is immune. Take inventory. Take heed lest you fall. So this is the serious warning. Take heed lest you fall. But Paul now offers a reminder that we're to heed and as a good coach does, He reminds the church that they have teammates, that they built a system to use the system. Paul's reminder is found in verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to men. What is Paul reminding the congregation? He's reminding them that none of their struggles are completely unique. I have to assume the church in Corinth assumed that their city was unique, that sins were more flagrant there. It was something worse than Las Vegas they assume their times were so extra perilous that their temptations were overwhelming because of, of by virtue of where they lived and when they lived. And Paul's point is this. Struggles may be different. Struggles may come in different degrees, but at the end of the day, they're the same at their core. It reminds me of the great quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn from the Gulag Archipelago as he's reflecting on Uh, His experience in the Gulag. He says, If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. You see, this reminder gives us both good news but also bad news. The bad news is this there is no heinous sin that you see on the news that you hear about that you are incapable of committing. The right circumstances, the right situation, the right pressure, these will become temptations for you. Do not grow arrogant. Any particular sin can become a temptation for you. But this also means that despite our time of unparalleled development of technology, Unprecedented amounts of information, new physical and emotional diseases, natural disasters, human warfare uh, reaching sort of new capacities. We've we've increased the ability to cause suffering at a scale that's almost incomprehensible. There is no temptation we face which is truly new or unique. This is the good news. No sin, no temptation, is new, and therefore you should feel no uh, no pressure. No degree of of unbearable shame when it comes to sharing with others the temptation that you're being confronted by, the temptation that you need help with. There is nothing that is unique. This should change us as a church, as a community. We We should feel free to share our struggles, to ask for help. It should destroy shame and create vulnerability and openness because we all have much more in common than we have different. This is the reminder. Paul, like a coach, is saying, you have teammates. They're here to help. Know these teammates. Share your experience. But finally, Paul gives a promise to embrace. And what is this promise? It's that God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may endure it. Now, I have to be careful here, because I've heard this verse do some serious damage to people, especially in this sort of private counseling interactions. TV preachers come along and say verses like this say, God won't give you more than you can handle. And the implication is that something is wrong with you Are you lack some ability if you feel overwhelmed by certain pressures of life. This passage has a very, very important and particular context. It's in the context of particular temptations to sin. It's not in the context of, of general trials of life, but really the pressures and temptation to be enticed into disobeying God. Paul's specific explanation is that you will never, ever be so overwhelmed by temptation that you have to fall into sin. And this is a promise we must embrace. No one is so tormented by temptation that they can't bear it. There's no temptation that will overwhelm us. God always gives us an escape route. He gives us an escape hatch. The picture is like that in so many war movies where the soldiers are trapped, pushed up into the corner. They have a cliff behind them, the enemy advancing in front of them. And someone out of the corner of their eye at the very last minute finds a way. Finds a way around the cliff, finds a way to safety, a place to hiding. This verse is saying God always provides the escape route. And how many of us can't forget the times in which, in the midst of pandering to and moving towards and even indulging in sin, on the, we are on the verge of getting caught and, and being confronted by someone causes us to stop. Are those times when we're ready to indulge sin and the phone rings at just the right time. Someone knocks on the door. That book recommendation that came right as you were being enslaved by and entrapped and overwhelmed by sin. God will never allow Satan or even your own foolishness to back you into a corner where you have no choice but to sin. Temptation will never overwhelm you this way. And this uh, promise of an escape ought to be a great pillow for you to rest your head upon during weary, weary weeks of battling temptation. God is sovereign and he never relinquishes full control to the devil or even to your flesh. There will always be a way of escape. So call a friend, turn off the device, walk away, take a nap, read a book, stop the conversation, call out to God for help. I've been trying to argue that the Apostle Paul is like a coach in between periods. The team's been beat up. Temptations are going to come this week as well. Maybe they've already come and he's telling you this, don't be naive. But remember you've got a team remember nothing has overtaken you that's not common to everyone else and don't forget God's promise that he will provide a way of escape now in conclusion don't forget as you go out to play this game to battle with temptation this is a game that you cannot lose because Jesus came to this earth he played the game he never once caved to temptation And he has brought into a world laden with temptation, a victory over temptation, a victory over the power of sin and over the power of death. You cannot ultimately lose. Sin can never take hold of you. He has provided a full and final forgiveness when you trust, when you believe, when you lay hold of what he has done for you. Listen, Jesus is working even now by his Spirit to create a world where there is no more temptation. A world in which we Bask in his victory and delight in his victory and sing and celebrate his victory. And to that until that day, continue to battle the temptations that face you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Toronto Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristchurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristchurchToronto.ca.